Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. to the Dogs Program here on 3CR, 855 on the AM dial, and, of course, podcast on the WWWs um, at the, oh, the 3CR website, if that's the way you're listening to me. Good to, good to have your company. Uh, also, you can get us if you're going to our website at www.adogs.info. Lots of different ways you could be listening to me, and it's a pleasure to have your company here on the radio in any case. We are the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools. That's what we do. We defend government schools. DGS, dogs, that's who we are. Um, we also uh, deal with issues of separation of religion and the state, and we'll be discussing that in detail at the moment because not only here in Australia but around the world, the wall of separation between religion and the, oh, the apparatus of the state is growing ever thinner. Um, because religious people like to get hold of taxpayers' money around the world, and here in Australia they get a fair bit of it. And um, so we examine in detail often what it is that religious institutions do with taxpayers' money and what's right and what's wrong about it all. Yes, we are the Defenders of Government Schools on 3CR, Radical Radio. Um, We have, over the last couple of weeks, um, lamented the absence of Jean here on the radio. She's taking a bit of a break, but she'll be back today. She's our roving reporter. Um, she'll be phoning in her performance, but I, I mean that in a literal, not in a, in a, in a metaphorical sense, um, telling us about what's going on out in the big wide world. But here in the studios, we always start with the press release, and the press release here on the Dogs program today is press release number 722. That's how long? One week. Every week we have a press release, and we're up to 722 weeks of press releases. And this one is about the privatisation of education and ask the question, what happens when education trusts asset strip and leaves students high and dry? Because in the brave new privatisation experiment of what they call academies in Britain, uh, we can describe what they are in detail, but functionally they are government-funded private academies, Um, and these academies are that which Christopher Pine, back when he was Education Minister, and now Birmingham, um, are in part modelling what they call their independent public schools. Um, and this thought bubble, thought bubble, I should say, has proved to be a disaster in the UK and it's a warning to us here in Australia. One of the benefits of being in Australia is that we are a copycat culture. We find out what's best in the world and copy it. And sometimes we find out what's worst in the world and copy that too. And when it comes to funding of education, um, if you want to find out what's going on in Australia... Um, in about five years' time, all you have to do is look to America and England and find out what's going on there now. Now, this has certain benefits, because when in England or in the United States they really stuff it up, we have an opportunity to not follow in their footsteps, if only we had the foresight to take it. And this is one of those stories, and it relates to a, a story in The Guardian on October 21st this year, very interesting story, that actually illustrates what happens when public facilities, that's like public schools, are turned over to for-profit private bodies. Profits take precedence over student opportunities when in the education sphere. And worse, an education trust, that is an organisation, a trust, which is the private entity, has actually engaged in asset stripping of the public entity before its obvious collapse. Yeah, I mean, this happens more than just the education field. I mean, so many um, essential services are being privatised. They were going to privatise the, uh, the, the, the watchdog for corporations. They're going to privatise power. They're going to privatise public transport. They're going to privatise everything. And when it comes to privatising education, this, of course, becomes very problematic. Now, what, what am I talking about here? Well, 
The students, parents and teachers in England, in a particular instance, were left out to hang to dry, and even those in their final school year at, at the school. And this is what happens. This is what happened in this particular story. I'm going to talk about the Wakefield City Academies Trust. And because furious parents demanded answers after transfer of funds by the Wakefield City Academies Trust left the pupils forced to recycle their old textbooks to start with. Now, this particular Academies Trust now stands accused of what they call asset stripping after it transferred billions of dollars of the school's savings to its own account before collapsing. On the 8th of September this year, the Wakefield City Academies Trust released a statement announcing it would divest itself of 21 schools as it could not undertake the rapid improvement our academies need. It said that the new sponsors would be found to take them over. Hmm. I'll just get, we're talking about a school here. We're talking about a school. In fact, not just one school. We're talking about 21 schools run by an academies trust. And they've decided that they're just going to drop them because they can't do what they can't do that education thing. And they said, oh, don't worry, someone else will take it up. You won't have to worry. Now, while the Ofsted, and Ofsted in the UK is the inspectorate, so they are the educational inspectorate, not financial. They just go into schools. I mean, I've been through one when I worked there. Um, and they work out whether the school is excellent, good, average, poor, or needs significant improvement. They give the school a mark. That's what Ofsted do. Now, while the Ofsted people in these 21 schools rated four of them as good or outstanding... 11 out of the 14 primary academies and 6 of the 7 secondary schools the Trust were running at below the national average. Parents, teachers and governors have now called on the Department for Education to ensure that the Trust's collapse will not leave the schools out of pocket. Now, one example. The Hemsworth Arts and Community Academy, a mixed secondary school in Pontefract, had $220,000 of funds raised by volunteers around the school at Christmas markets and other school events. So this is volunteer-raised funds. Now, that money was transferred away from the school to the trust's account earlier in the year. It also saw a further £216,000, which had been held back for capital investment, moved over. Um, a quote from the parents is saying, but this is not the trust's money. It's our money. And this was actually from the former governor of the school, not just the parents. And the former governor, of course, in England, the way things are at the moment, wanted to remain anonymous. They didn't want to come out and say this in public with their name attached to it. They want to be anonymous in this situation. Strange, isn't it? Um, This governor also said, it's money for the people in the area, their children and their grandchildren. It wasn't for the trust to take it. Now, the Heathview Primary School in Wakefield had £300,000 transferred to a trust in September 2016. Another school, the Wakefield City Academy, had more than £800,000 transferred towards the end of 2015. In both cases, the trust told the school's governors that the transfer was a loan. The Wakefield City Academy even received a number of small repayments. However, since the trust collapsed, because they collapsed, both schools have been told that they are no longer, um, they no longer acknowledge these transactions as loans. So they just changed their mind about what the money was for after they've collapsed. Now for Wakefield City Academy, the money had been held back to provide a financial cushion for when a, when a particularly large cohort of children born during the early 2000s baby boom arrived in the secondary school system. This money, Kevin Swift, the chair of the school's local governing body, who is willing to go on record, said this money was our rainy day money. He says, it wasn't just left under the mattress, it was money that we had anticipated we would have to very definitely need later on. Now, High Craig's Academy Primary School in Shipley in the UK was instructed by the Department for Education to join the Trust in April 2016. So they were just told that they had to join the Trust by the Department of Education after they'd been put into special measures the previous year. When it joined it, it had a surplus of £187,000, which was immediately moved to centralised accounts. Eric Fairchild, the chair of the school's local government body, said on at least two occasions the governors asked for its surpluses to be used to shore up the trust's accounts. There was reassurance that their money was ring-fenced and safe. 
He says, I believe that it is grossly immoral that our surplus funds were being effectively taken away from the children of our school who, in many cases, were very deprived, said Eric Fairchild. The government has encouraged academies to join multi-academy trusts, promoting them as a support structure for schools once they leave the local authorities' control. This is what you do when you privatise organisations. But the model has been dogged by criticism. In March, the Education Fellowship Trust became the first in England to give up control of its 12 academies following concerns about educational standards. I'll just say that again. Already, these sort of mega trusts, these education trusts, are seen to be failing because one has actually already been asked to give up control of 12 academies because um, it's not doing its job. Parents, teachers and governors say the financial problems at the Wakefield City Academies Trust have been clear for nearly a year before it collapsed. In November 2016, a draft Department for Education report, which was actually leaked to the Times Education Supplement, stated that the Trust was in an extremely vulnerable position as a result of inadequate governance, leadership and overall financial management. The draft raised concerns that the Chief Executive, Mike Ramsey, that's the Chief Executive of the Wakefield Cities Academies Trust, had been paid more than $82,000 for 15 weeks' work, despite the fact that the Trust was facing a large budget deficit. The Department for Education has so far refused Freedom of Information request to actually see this final report. The previous month it had emerged that the Trust paid almost £440,000 to IT and checking clerking companies owned by, you guessed it, Mike Ramsey and his daughter. In the statement at the time, the Trust said internal vetting procedures were found that the contracts, uh, the contracts represented the best value. Well, of course they would say that. Although serious questions have been raised about financial management, there is no suggestion, of course, of fraudulent activity by the article in The Guardian, and indeed, nor by us here at the DOGS program. Speaking at a public meeting of parents, teachers and trade unionists in Doncaster last Thursday, the National Education Union activist Sally, Sally Kilcaird said the Trust was guilty of asset stripping of its schools, which had been instructed not only to spend money on... which had been, actually, the schools themselves had been instructed to only spend money on essential items. Now, the failure of this education or this academy trust is, in fact, not at all surprising. Because earlier this month, the Department for Education named its preferred eight new sponsors for schools abandoned by this trust. One of those new sponsors, Delta Academy Trust, formerly known as SPTA, was stripped of its three schools late in 2015 following concerns about low standards. Oh, right. So now one's gone bankrupt. The schools are still there. The kids are still there. The parents are still there. The teachers are all still there. They just need to be apparently managed not by the Wakefield trust, they're going to give them to another trust which already has a trap record of doing rubbish things in schools and has already been stripped of them previously. Oh, Kilcaird, one of, one, of one of the school's governors, uh, said, we are not football teams. We are not part of the transfer market where we can be transferred from one multi-academy trust to another. It's actually not good enough. A Labor councillor for Coningsborough Lani May Ball said, while many multi-academy trusts were part of the educational landscape now, and I quote, parents and communities need a real choice and a real voice, including the choice to return to a local authority if they have been let down by a multi-academy system. Now, while the spokesman for Wakefield Academies Trust declined to comment for this article, the Department for Education said a failing academy trust could never profit from the transfer of its school to a new sponsor. The spokesman said, we are working with the trust to ensure that there is minimal disruption for pupils. We are also working for the preferred trust and schools to ensure that they have the right support and resources they need to improve the outcomes for pupils as quickly as possible, which will include the necessary pupil funding, blah, 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 blah. So the Department of Education are transferring schools, are transferring schools from one academy to the other, one fails, and they give it to another one which has already failed, but maybe it won't fail now. And there is no option for these schools to say, can we stop being privatised? That didn't work. That was a complete stuff up. They stripped us of our assets. We had some money which we raised at Christmas markets and various other, as parents. That's gone. And now you're saying, are you going to give us to another private entity? In the UK, it's not working. Why? 
would this work in Australia? Oh, I'll return now um, after a few messages. You're listening to 3CR Radio. We'll be getting a far worse quality education. We'll be getting a far worse quality education and we'll be paying much more for it. The issue with the funding cuts becomes certainly a human rights issue and that's where we're advocating to ensure that people are aware that if you deny interpreter access to a career pathway then you're actually going to affect people's ability to access services and information as a core member in the community. It's been a full-on year for me and for Safe Schools Coalition and everyone involved in it and that has really been pretty driven by the media and the right in politics. Talking about education isn't always easy, but 3CR's never been scared of uncovering the often complex stories of injustice in the education system. What is easy is supporting 3CR during Radiothon 2017. Support Radio for Change. Remember, NAINOP's a special day for us, fellas. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for NAIDOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black, black man. NAIDOC means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present. NAIDOC means a lot to me for my family and my people. And the people forgetting about our rights. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcasts. Happy NAIDOC! Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR, 855 on the AM dial and pub cost and pod, pod cost, podcast on the www. Is it, uh, I don't know, is it 3CR? What is it? What, what's the website, Andrew? Ooh, uh, I believe it's 3cr.org.au. It is too. I should know that by now because I'm always going on the, I'm go, I'm always going on the website. It's just in my favourite, so I never have to check it anymore. Yeah, yeah, podcast on www's if you're listening to us, welcome. Also, if you're listening to us in your car or on the normal old radio, you're welcome to listen to us as well. Um, I told you we have a raving reporter for the Dogs Program this, year, uh, this, this week. We've got Jean, she's out and about. And um, for those who don't know, and I'm sure many of you do, but some of you don't, um, it's been a very special anniversary just coming up. It's a very interesting, very interesting anniversary. It's the anniversary of... Um, Oh, well, perhaps, Jean, you can tell us. Uh, yes, uh, this week is the anniversary of the, what they call the Reformation, and most people see the Reformation as Martin Luther putting his 95 theses on the um, church door. Uh, and it's 500 years ago this month. So 500 years? So the story goes. And his general target was corruption of the church. Um, he was following Christ who um, whipped the money changers out of the temple. Um, and this is strangely uh, strangely um, relevant, I think, when, when the dogs are talking about the wealthy private schools of Melbourne. Oh, do you reckon Luther would have been in the dogs? <laughs> well, that is a, an interesting question. But the conversation which is a very interesting um, internet uh, program, has got a very interesting article by Angus Cameron, the Associate Professor of the University of Leicester. And he has linked Luther not to capitalism, as Max Weber did in the 19th century, and I think Max Weber has some reason for linking Protestantism to capitalism if you look at Calvin, but uh, this man from Leicester says, no, not with Luther, because the corruption in the church uh, was very much linked to the wealthiest men or family in Europe at that time, and their names were Fugger, F-U-G-G-E-R, and they were originally cloth merchants based in Augsburg in Germany. 
but they became bankers and they loaned money to the Archduke of Tyrol um, as well as the Pope of course and they had to be paid back and to pay them back the Pope uh, had the indulgences and this is what sparked Luther. Now according to this academic in Leicester, Luther knew what, exactly what he was doing when he took on the Fugas because the Fugas had also um, managed to get from the Archduke of Tyrol the silver mines which were close to where Luther had grown up. And Luther was very much aware of the power games with these very wealthy bankers. Not only did they get all the silver mines, but they were working on the copper mines over in Hungary. So the argument that this gentleman is um, putting forward is that this Joan Tetzel, who was the pardoner who was selling the indulgences, was in fact getting money, half of which went to the Suga agent in Rome to pay off the courier, and half to the Augsburg uh, gentleman, the aristocrat, to pay off his loans. And Luther's comparison of these antics, which he did talk about, to the biblical story of Christ driving the money changes from the temple, is actually too, too important to ignore if you're a historian. So, in fact, you could argue that Luther was anti-capitalist. And it was the abuse of power and money which gave us the Reformation. And I find this all very interesting because... Um, there are a lot of members of the dogs who are good Christians and who are very, very distressed at the behaviour of the wealthy um, so-called religious schools in Australia at the moment. Uh, they find it peculiarly un-Christian. And um, those of us who are in the Reformed tradition um, can only be very, very concerned about all this. So I was heartened to read that Luther was not necessarily so capitalist, so greed uh, at all. Uh, quite the reverse, he was very much against the corruption in the churches and he wanted to get back to the original um, belief structure of Christianity, which of course um, is always interested in the poor and the disadvantaged and, the other, and, and, and those who are at the bottom of the community. So, um, I just found this very interesting and on this week I, I really did want to let people know about this uh, very interesting historian, Angus Cameron, the Associate Professor at the University of Leicester, who has put up this very interesting article on the conversation and it is available here on your internet in Australia. So thanks a lot for letting me talk about this. No, I'm just I'm just interested in the connections because you know nothing's old but it's new again. I mean, I know I'm, I'm, you know, I've heard stories about money changes in the temple and Jesus and all that sort of stuff. It's a, it's a very what what but what happens when 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 you build a temple inside um, a bank? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it, 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 it's 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 kind of the same. But but what's happened is that that you know inside our state apparatus now. Yeah, deep inside the state structures of Australia are, are, are these temples, like these these schools that just, well, in, in, the, in the education context, you know, rich schools, poor schools, it doesn't really matter. They just exist inside the state structure and they demand their monies, dollar for dollar, yep. um, to support their religious, they're, they're fundamentally religious institutions. I mean, I mean, it's very difficult for me to ask you what, 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 what you think Luther would think because you're not 500 years old. But... Um, <laughs> What happens because it's 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 a it's a different relationship now, isn't it, to one that the one that Luther sort Indeed. of Luther, Luther only survived because he took on the powerful and the wealthy, um, and others had of course been burnt at the stake. But he survived because uh, there was a growth nationalism in Germany, I believe, and he got himself a wealthy and powerful patron uh, who looked after him. Uh, well, Christ didn't quite have those people. He got crucified instead when he took on the powerful and the wealthy. Mm. But um, uh, the, the ideas, of course, are always still there and they're very, very powerful. Uh, and 
I just think that it is, um, it's just very interesting, very interesting indeed, that this gentleman from Leicester has linked, historically, the Fergus family, uh, who were moving in, uh, like the Rothschilds later, and uh, the bankers, um, it was the beginning of the new era of capitalism in, in, in Europe, and we've inherited Australia. If it's just allowed to go unchecked, then it has a very nasty side and a lot of stuff. And um, the important thing about education, of course, uh, it came out of the lesson because people wanted to actually read the scriptures. But uh, the people who are most interested in separation of church and state and religious freedom are usually minority groups. So in recent weeks, we've been hearing a lot about um, the desire for freedom of conscience in Australia. But we are actually dealing with people who send their children to private schools who are screaming about religious liberty when these same schools back in 1981 made sure that our, our wonderful religious freedom clause, section 116 of the Constitution, was read down and out of the Constitution. So perhaps they might have to do some really, really hard thinking uh, in the in coming months. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to actually broaden out the debate. I mean, because often here on the dogs we obviously talk about education issues, and we often talk about separation of religion from the state. But um, I'd like to broaden this debate out because I think you've opened up an interesting question in the in the particular current context. Um, because one of the arguments that's put forward for for the, um, the the government funding of of religious institutions, and not just schools, is that if a religious institution can't afford to do something for itself, the government must give it money to do that thing, otherwise the government um, is, is, is uh, prejudice, prejudicing that religion. You know, that, that, that religion is not free to do that thing that it wants to do because it doesn't have enough money, so therefore the government should, should, should give it money to do that thing. Um, and as long as the government gives money to all religions, um, that's okay, because then everyone gets to be free. Now, this sort of basic idea that, that seems to permeate certainly the Australian funding um, of, of education environment um, seems to be popping up in, in a very different context. And it's the context of um, same-sex marriage. It's this concept of yes, that's right. freedom, um, freedom to, to, to not have to deal with um, the people of same-sex marriage getting married. In fact, the freedom so, a freedom so strong that that not only do they not want to have to deal with it, that they, that they don't want it to exist at all. If you want for, freedom, for, 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 it not, for it not to be possible. If you, don't, if you want freedom, Robert, you don't take the king's shilling or the queen's shilling or the public shilling or the public dollar. You just don't do it if you want to be free. Because um, at the end of the day, he who pays the piper also falls the tune. And the private schools eventually are going to find this. But in the meantime, in the meantime, so many children are not going to get educational opportunities in this country and the nation itself will suffer. Mm. Now, there are some things that the state, through the taxation, has got to pay for. We learnt it in the 19th century, I mean, and we're now finding out with energy, with the NBN, with education, you name it, Everything they have privatised is, is not working. And it will not work, it never has worked, and it cannot work. And yes. in the meantime, as we learn this lesson again, large numbers of children in this country are not going to get the educational, the educational opportunities that they require. That's why the dogs are still here fighting this battle. It is such a basic battle to fight. We've gone a long way from Luther. Um, but I do agree with everything you say, Jane, especially when it comes down to the context of what we were talking about in Press Release 722, yes. which relates to the privatisation or the, the sort oh, of yes, academy system. It's absolutely shocking. The thing that, that, that is the end result, and we have seen uh, private schools like Greater Upper Munda go to the wall and children uh, suffer. Yeah, but, and um, privatisation doesn't work yeah. in education. And just that fundamental bit with the end of that article and, and the end of this whole process where you have these people who are clearly asset-stripped, yep. you know, demonstrably asset-stripped these schools before they've gone under. Um, so, so that's all happened. But, but then 
but then the Department for Education sort of pops up and says, okay, we'll find you another privatised yeah. trust yeah. That, that will look after you better. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's... it's, it's well, we're already experiencing this in the trade sector in Australia, and it is a, a billion, multi, multi, multi-billion dollar scandal, and they're still not learning the lesson. Um, it's, we're dealing with a, a really quite um, extraordinary ideology. But um, I think that's enough for me for the moment. Uh, I'll hope to be there on, on duty next. Oh, you're back from your roving, back from your roving ways. Well, it'll be good to have you back in the studio here on 3CR 855 and AM Dole. Thank you very much, Jane, for, for your contribution. Um, you've been listening to the dogs here on 3CR 855 on the AM Dole. Podcast on the WWWs and going out free to air because that's what community radio is all about. Um, yeah, we'll be back after these messages. Celebrate International Day of People with Disability at the Victorian Disability Sport and Recreation Festival. Featuring over 30 exhibitors and three activity zones, come and try different modified sports and watch a disabled water skiing demonstration. This is a free, accessible, family-friendly event. Friday the 1st of December from 10am to 3pm at Crown Riverwalk. For more information, visit dsr.org.au. 3CR supporter. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 under AM Dale. It's just me and Andy in the studio today. Jean's out there roving away and Dale's on a break. Yes, um, we obviously defend public education and part of defending public education is actually celebrating when things go right. And not in a sort of celebrate when, you know, some person got a good mark for their VCE and they get in the paper, but schools, as we know, aren't like that. Schools go and go and go for years. There's good days, there's bad days, and you keep, you keep trying, you keep thing, you keep working, you keep educating. And of course, state schools are free, secular, and universal. And when I say universal means they can, they can and do enroll everyone in their zones. Um, and so therefore they take all comers. That's their values. And James talking about Martin Luther and Christians and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the Christian values, you do not turn people away from your door if they are in need. And that's what state schools are all about. They take all comers, not like private schools, which of course are exempt from the anti-discrimination legislation of this country, and they can pick and choose anyone they like based upon either their religious or even financial um, values. Financial values. Yeah, I've said it, those two words going together in such a strange way. Yeah, if you can't afford it, you can't come in. If you can't afford it and you're not the right sort of person, then you can't come in. And we've got a waiting list around here. That's not what state schools are like. And I'm going to talk about every week a different state school, a really good one. And we're going all over Victoria. And today we're going right into the middle, okay, right to the middle of Victoria, in a place called the Sydney Road Community School. The Sydney Road Community School is awesome. <laughs> the Sydney Road Community School does what very few other schools do. The Sydney Road Community School is free, secular and universal. But the universal bit about Sydney Road Community School is that they take everyone. And I mean everyone. Because the Sydney Road is actually a small. It's only got 100 kids in it. It's located in Brunswick. And all the students are encouraged to be creative individuals, but also caring for themselves and other people and the environment as well. The school actually functions as a neighbourhood school and is actually very strongly integrated into the local community. Now, this Sydney Road Community School offers a comprehensive curriculum for VCE, VET and VCAL, and the students, um, the students, what they bring is what's important. So the students themselves have a wide range of abilities and aspirations, and the school is there to serve them. They are committed to providing a broad and challenging um, education that actively involves every single student, and each individual student is treated as an individual about their individual strengths and indeed their individual challenges. Now, what are these kids? Well, there's about a hundred kids, two thirds of them, about roughly two thirds of them are boys and one third of them are girls. Um, there's so only a hundred of them. Um, Fourteen percent of them are indigenous. And 8%, a small percentage of them, come from a background where they don't speak English at home. So it's an interesting mix, this place. Um, what are their NAPLAN results? Well, I have a great pleasure to tell you. I have no idea. 
In fact, the teachers have no idea. In fact, no one has any idea what the NAPLAN results for the kids at the Sydney Road Community School are because they don't do NAPLAN tests. Just don't do them. That's actually not important to them because there at the school, their assessment structure provides the opportunity for all students to have a successful school experience if they work hard. The school finds it's much more conducive to student well-being connectedness with each other with other people in the school and the and the community and in fact turning up if the school treats each child individually in terms of progress so we do not ask students to, students publicly uh, and they don't rank students publicly on any external scale they use testing for diagnostic purposes only oh yeah they they conduct tests absolutely because that's what teachers do. They have to know what, you know, what a kid knows, what a kid doesn't know. But that isn't for the that that isn't for me to know about. That's between the teacher, the kid, and the parent. It also keeps records that clearly illustrate the importance of attendance and success in the school. So this Sydney Road Community School is quite an interesting school, and there's a few lines that you need to read between. How much? Well, you know, before I tell you how much all this costs, I think it's actually really interesting to talk about what's going on in this place, what's going on in this in this school because the school itself is a small government school okay it's a government school it's not private school there's no private funding there's no fees to go to this school it's actually established in 1972 at the height of the alternative education movement there's no fees there's no uniform and there's no examinations until year 12 like if you're doing your vcal your vce or your vet then yes obviously if you're going to be a plumber uh, the guy who's employing it needs to know that, that, that you can plumb. So, yeah, they have schools at the end, but not before then. The school prides itself in being able to achieve success with students who may have struggled in the mainstream school system. This does have a mean that school, um, apparently, uh, the school, if you were to rank it, like directly compare it with other schools, um, you would say, oh, they do quite poorly. But that's not the point. The whole point of the school is that they take they are truly inclusive. They take students who may have struggled in mainstream school systems, now the state schools, now the private schools, because this school is truly universal. If you have a need, and it's the nature of yourself that you do not work in an industrial school, like a state school or any other school, then you can go there and you will be welcome and you will be included and you will turn up and you will succeed if you work hard because you will be supported too. Now, it's obviously, it's a strange little place. It's located in the, in the small Wesleyan church. <laughs> it's actually located in a church that's been deconsecrated, of course. And the building's actually one of the oldest ones, oldest buildings in, in, in the Brunswick area. It, it keeps class sizes particularly low in comparison with other schools in the rest of the state. Because, you know, when I was talking about the kids, there's 100 kids. Well, in this school, there are 14 teachers. 100 kids, 14 teachers, you do the maths. So that's about, you know, class size is around about 10. But if you're dealing with a school that takes all comers, and takes students who have, who have not had success in other educational environments and says you are welcome here, then that's the sort of thing you need. Now, bear in mind, how much is all this going to cost? Well, if you're going to send your kid to a private school, you can pay anything up in, com- in combined funding just for yourself and you can pay anything up to, oh, I don't know, $30,000 or more. To educate these kids at Sydney Road, a really good school, and I know this because I've worked there, $23,000 per kid per year to get yourself a really good outcome. For kids who have, and I can tell you, have been from school to school to school and they finish up and they end up happily at the Sydney Road Community School. So one thing you have to understand about the Sydney Road Community School, and I'm sure if anyone who works here is listening, is that this place doesn't do what private education does. Private education deals with difficult kids and problem kids as a charitable act. Deeply ingrained in many religious organisations and certainly many private schools is that they will take difficult kids as an act of charity because they are kind and because they are Christian, often if it's a Christian school or an Islamic school. They're doing it because their religion says they have to be nice to people. So they find someone, they're nice to them and say, look look at us, we're nice. That's... the exact opposite of what the Sydney Road Community School does. The Sydney Road Community says that every child has a right to a good education, a gold standard education. And if a child, for whatever reason, does not succeed, 
in, in any other school, you can go to Sydney Rose School and you can get a gold standard education. Not because it's a charitable act, not because you're kind, not because you're generous. No, you do this because it's the right of the child. It's a very simple thing. And that is one of the fundamental differences between state schools and private schools. You don't educate people because, you know, and kick people out when you don't like them. In this state school, in Sydney Road Community School, every child has the right, and that means that that child standing there has the right. And if that child standing there has has not had success in educational settings before, doesn't matter to us, doesn't matter to us at all, because this child has the right. And that's why Sydney Road Community School is a great school. That's why I don't care what the NAPLAN results are. That's why the Sydney Road Community School, I reckon, is one of the great schools of Victoria. It's not the only one, but it's one of the great schools of Victoria. And there are other schools, I have discovered, private schools that do similar things to the Sydney Road Community School, but they do it for profit. Oh, yeah, they'll take your hardest events, your hardest kids and all that sort of stuff, and they'll take the money, and they'll say, oh, we're doing it because we're good and charitable people. No, not at Sydney Road. These two kids have the rights. And I can tell you when you walk into the school, that's the feel of the place. That's the feel of the place. The feel of the place is that children are welcome there. Students are welcome there. The teachers are welcome there. And they work together as best they can, using all of their skills together to create an educational environment that suits each single one of those 100 students. It's not the school. It it, it is exactly the sort of school where everyone knows your name. And, it, and you know what? That's a good thing in a place like Sydney Road Community School. So our great state school for this year is Sydney Road Community School. Congratulations to the work you've done ever since 1972 all the way up to 2017, and I hope you continue to do so. Well done. Um, we'll be back with more education news and reviews after these messages. For one night only, the Great Forest National Park is coming alive at Howler, Brunswick, October 29th at 7pm. Celebrate our diverse Victorian wilderness through provoking forest projections and performances by Shane Howard, Zach Sabre and DJ Dillian Page. All proceeds go towards the Wilderness Society's work on the Great Forest National Park campaign. Tickets are just $25 from Moshticks. That's moshticks.com.au. Just search for Howler. So come and enjoy a unique night out and be wilder. Be wilder is a 3CR supporter. When you were young, did you walk to school? Most children these days don't. In October, hundreds of thousands of children, parents and grandparents around Victoria will be part of Vic Health's Walk to School Month. Why not join them? Walk to school with your kids or grandchildren and enjoy the chance to talk and teach road safety skills while getting active yourself. It's a great way to spend quality time together. Ask your kids' primary school if they are doing something special for Walk to School Month and remember to walk, ride a bike or scooter to and from school in October. To find out more or to register, visit walktoschool.vic.gov.au. A 3CR supporter.
Dogs program. That was Rainbow Ridge by the Cribs. Just, you might be wondering why on earth we're playing that song on the Dogs program. The answer is they're from Wakefield. And we are talking about the Wakefield Trust before, so I thought a little bit of music that relates to what we're talking about <laughs> means that some good things do come out of Wakefield, but not the Wakefield Educational Trust. Look, you listen to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. It's just myself in the studio today with Andrew. But um, Jean has been out there roaming around. We've heard from her. But now I'm going to talk about something a little bit close to home. Um, we talk about great schools, of course, Sydney Road Community School. Uh, we're now going to talk about something a little bit sadder. We're going to talk about the TAFE system in Australia. If we want to look about how privatisation has literally stuffed up our country, you don't have to look much further than the TAFE system. When the Labor government, both in Victoria and federally, decided that they were going to privatise the TAFE system and open it up to private providers, they, um, they were stupid. And they've been proven to be so. Um, the TAFE system uh, was flooded with a large number of private providers who basically enrolled a large number of people who didn't complete courses, but that, did, that, that didn't matter to them because they got their money from the government up front and they walked away. The number of private providers that have been struck off the list of provision or have just decided to go bankrupt and take their money um, is massive. The TAFE system in Australia is in crisis. Now, for those who don't know, the TAFE system, TAFE, T-A-F-E, stands for Technical and Further Education. That's the stuff that unis don't do. That's the stuff that actually keeps the country going. Um, and private providers have literally stuffed it up now for over almost a decade. How bad is it? Well, since 2012 in Australia, more than 25% of students have just walked away from the entire system. It's so bad the kids just aren't going because they know it's a mess. It's not just a matter of a policy mistake or something that people don't know about that you can fix. No. The Australian population now know that the TAFE system has been stuffed. The situation is so bad that people have walked away from it. They're not going to enrol in becoming an electrician or a plumber or such like and so forth because, or a cook or a hairdresser because they know that the chances of them finishing their course have nothing to do with them. They have to do with the fact that the school might not be there. So they're just not enrolling. So since, 20, since 2012, there's been a 25% reduction in overall enrolments. There you go, oh, things go up and down, that, that's market forces. No, 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 that, 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 is, that is the skilled people of Australia not getting educated into the next generation. They're not getting an education because they're not turning up because they don't trust the system. Now, since 2012 in New South Wales... There's been a 35% reduction in the TAFE workforce because New South Wales privatised a bit. And that equates to 5,163 jobs lost over that time. In Victoria, 44% of the workforce just isn't there anymore in the TAFE sector, which equates to over 8,000 jobs gone. That's teachers. That's because the students aren't there, because they're not turning up. If they're not turning up, you can't teach them. If you can't teach them because they're not there, then you sack the teachers. Well, they've done that over 8,000 times. The whole thing is just a massive and huge mess. So what's the solution? Well, the Business Council of Australia have come up with a solution to fixing the education system in Australia. Can I tell you what it is? Jennifer Westercott, who is the Chief Executive of the Business Council Australia, got up and said, the way you solve the problem with TAFE and vocational education is this. You have to do better marketing. You have to provide, provide vouchers, and you have to do this thing called governance. You know, obviously, in a free market, you, know, you have to have more governance. And she says that vouchers... And we know the vouchers, that is, you, know, you, you give a certain amount of money to the student who goes off and does what they want in, in, in whatever educational institution they, they choose. Um, that, that's what we now have, <laughs> better marketing and better vouchers. So she wants to basically double down on what's happened, and that's going to solve the problem. What she's saying is that the free market hasn't stuffed it up. We don't have enough free marketing. So we need to do more of that. Oh, yeah, and more of this thing called governance. So we know what the Business Council of Australia thinks of governance and regulation. The answer is, oh, we like it as long as it suits us, but not as long as it suits the kids. So the Australian Education Union are now 
finally, and that they, um, to their credit, the Australian Education Union have been onto this since day one. And they think you actually just need to actually rethink the entire thing. You have to don't think about it in terms of money. You have to think about it in terms of social policy. And they come up with a document called The Future of Public, T- Public TAFE Institutions, A New Social Policy. And this has been put together by an associate professor at the University of Toronto in education, Dr. Jim Stanford, the Director of Centre for Future Work and the Australian Institute, and Professor John Buchanan, who's the Head of Discipline and Business Analytics at Sydney University. Now, what they say is we need sound public social policy for TAFE institutions that rebuilds their broader social role, allowing them to meet the needs for young people in their communities as well as the needs for industry. A well-resourced public TAFE system is the linchpin of that policy. Because TAFE is now in a critical crisis across Australia, with student numbers dropping, as I said, one in four students aren't there since 2012. There's more people in Australia, but there's, a, there's 25% fewer of them in TAFE. And that's happened over the last 10 years. And while a funding guarantee um, announced by the Federal Opposition Leader, Bill Shorten, shows some way, that's actually not really going to solve the problem. Because TAFE connects young people with local industries that can respond to existing and emerging skill needs in local areas. Because when it comes to local skills, you have to respond to what's going on where you are. Now, the development of social policy to underpin TAFE's role needs to reflect that crucial role in communities and support in local industries. Now, the one thing that AU does not say, and I think it's really, it's in the end reprehensible, is that they don't want to rock the boat too much. I'm sorry, um, but I have to say this, and I, I really don't want to criticise the AEU because the AEU aren't the problem. The AEU aren't actually presenting the solution. The problem is they have privatised technical and further education in Australia, and it has stuffed it up. So the way you solve the problem is you take away the cancer in the system. You stop privatising it. That's it. You stop privatising it. You do not provide to for-profit companies any government money for the provision of technical and further education. The provision of technical and further education is a responsibility. It's an essential service for Australia, so it is a responsibility of the government. It's my responsibility, actually, because I'm a taxpayer. It's my responsibility to make sure the next generation have enough plumbers and hairdressers and chefs and electricians and all the people that deal with vocational uh, studies who want to be in that area and who want to succeed in that area and who require training in that area. It's my responsibility as a taxpayer to make sure that happens. And if it's my responsibility, I'm only going to give my taxes to someone who is accountable. And who is accountable? Well, my local member, the politicians, the government, and, and so on and so forth. I'm not saying trust the government, but I'm saying it's the best chance I've got to make sure that money goes in the right place. The idea is if I give the money to a private provider, they will do a better job just because, is now over. 10, 15 years ago, everyone said, oh, well, you know, private's better than public in every case. You privatise power, it's going to be better and cheaper. No, it's not. You privatise public transport, it's going to be better and cheaper. No, it's not. You privatise edu- education, it's going to be better and cheaper. No, it's not. None of those things are true. In fact, they're demonstrably false. And so now when someone says, oh, obviously private's better than public, no, it's not. It's just obviously not across a whole range of things, and particularly the TAFE system where the depredations, like the, struggle, the struggling crisis that's going on in Australia at the moment, will be used by other countries saying, we won't privatise our vocational education because look what happened in Australia. A developed country with, with, with supposed to have decent social policies and smart people destroyed its vocational education process on purpose because they allowed private providers to come in and rip off the public purse. We will be used as a cautionary tale to other countries in years to come, which is a sad thing for a country like Australia. You've been listening to Australia, or you've been listening to the Dogs Programme in Australia, on the radio, on www.adogs.info, or indeed um, on, on the 3CR website, or indeed free to air in your home or your car. Because um, 3CR Community Radio allows us to say these things and to have this sadness, but also to have this joy when it comes to fighting the good fight when it comes to public education. But if you are interested in what we've been talking about, myself and Jean on the radio today, you can very simply get in contact with us at our website at www.adogs.info. 
That's www.adogs.info. Until next week, when the fight continues, it's bye for now. Listen to 3CR. This is Billy X. Jennings of the Black Panther Party. Power to the people. Envious of the rich and powerful? Listen to 3CR? Well, this is your chance to get one back. Get a legal, legitimate tax deduction by donating to the 3CR Radiophon now. 94198377.